This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Jay Shapiro, and you're a filmmaker, documentarian, and uh, rescue agent for political discourse across the nation. Your film, Islam and the Future of Tolerance, just got released. When did you start on that, and what gave you the idea to do that? This is a documentary about the discussion between Sam Harris and Maj- Majid. Majid. It's okay. Majid. Sam called him Majid for like three years, so I think we, it's, it's Majid Nawaz, but I think he get, just got used to responding to anything that sounds remotely like his name at this point. Yeah. yeah. And how did you get involved with them, and want, what made you want to do this documentary? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the, the quick answer is I was, you know, I read their book and was just inspired by it, um, personally developed from it. You know, my language on, on the, this particular topic just got so much better. The conversations I were having got so much sharper. I felt, you know, the, uh, to try to apply my skill, if I have any, as a documentary filmmaker, just to amplify that conversation and maybe bring it to some new audiences explore some of the things they talked about in a new visual way mm-hmm. um so so the sort of the story behind the production of it was really just a cold email i had established myself as a as a filmmaker before uh never touched this kind of subject before um reached out to a group called think inc that's a sort of int- an intellectual events company that does live events uh, in australia they were hosting sam and majid for a tour at the time it was sort of just a cold email to these guys being like, hey, I'm a filmmaker. I love this thing. I think mm-hmm. we could do something with this here. You know, they brought it to Sam and Majid. They said, we love it. Let's let's see if it works out. One thing led to another, and, and here we are. Um, yeah, so about two years ago was that initial oh, reach wow. out. We, we, firmed, we, we, we filmed the first frame of it, um, like, right before Trump got elected. So it was oh, cool. a political moment as well. And um, yeah. That was actually something that happened in the middle of our production that we had to sort of just decide what we were going to do with. But that sort of puts it in a in a time context. Yeah. And how did? Well, I, there's so many different currents going on within the film itself, and just the the topical matter. Like it goes into Majid Majid's life uh, as uh, you know a young kid and Britain, and then growing up and getting involved in a. It seems kind of rather radical. Islamic sect, but they never yeah. say it in the film that it's a radical Islamic sect. But well, the, well, the group was Hizbut Tahir, so it's um, you know by his definition in the film an Islamist group wouldn't okay, fit in. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'll introduce those concept, concepts, but wouldn't fit into the jihadist circle because they weren't engaged in active sort of blowing stuff up and sort of violent terrorism, but certainly trying to promote. Uh, a caliphate and bring that about through political change and coups and upheavals. So more of a political, um, you know, influencer group, <clears throat> but definitely a nefarious group that he obviously hmm. eventually left and, and um, has no association to. It's I think it's illegal in just about all European countries to oh, be really? active participant of this group now. So it's, it's definitely a, um, you know, it gets... Again, these definitions all get flimsy, but um, a terrorist group of sorts, but an Islamist group for sure um, that was, by his definition, trying to impose a given mm-hmm. interpretation of Islam mm-hmm. over society. But yeah, calling it a sect wouldn't really be fair. It's not like okay. Sunni Shia type thing. It was just okay. a, a, a group. Yeah, a political, a religious political kind of organization. Yeah. 
Yeah, something like the Muslim Brotherhood, I think a little bit darker, but something like the Muslim Brotherhood, it's just more what binds it together is this political motive um, of the, the, the domination or at least establishment of, uh, of an, uh, a caliphate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the first middle. half of the film kind of charts his growth from a, a kid to kind of a radical young man and then his deprogramming. And then I, I just got into about like the second half of the film where we start broaching into how does uh, what's a liberal Muslim? And mm. the, the story kind of changes into like more of a live discussion with developing these ideas and, and what is it to reform Islam and, mm -hmm. and ideas like that. So what was your kind of the chart of your growth of ideas in interacting with these fellows and, and your thoughts about Islam before you entered into the film and then how it became different or more nuanced during the work? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, yeah, so I'll start by answering one thing I really like about this film, or I hope that's accomplished in it, and the part you're getting to, they, they, we get into the nitty-gritty of like the real arguments there and the doctrine and plausible interpretations and all sorts of yeah. fun stuff there. But yeah, the first half is sort of just the setup of you need to know this about Majid to put some of the stuff in context about what he's trying to do. Um, yeah, so my so one thing I, I like about it as the director and, and orchestrator of this visual representation of this conversation is I'm I I'm not obliged to agree with everything that Majid or Sam says in particular in the film and, and I and I hope the viewer isn't either. I hope it plays as an invitation to continue the conversation. Um, you know, I, I hope there's things in it that you want to challenge or you want to dig deeper on and you, or you sort of disagree with about both of the men or one of them or, or neither of them or wh whatever it is. I hope it just is this this plea and this pitch for like hmm. the water's fine, jump in, but we need more voices in here because we're all trying to figure this thing out. Hmm. I'm obviously rather uh, inspired by their attempt to figure it out in this on this specific clash that they had and then trying to, to come together on it. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this, I, I align my, my sort of personal thoughts on these things and, and journey with it really started around 9-11. I have an article that's out now that sort of poses or, you know, puts my sort of like why I made the film and a little bit of my trajectory in it. Um, I started asking these questions after 9-11, the sort of um, why do they hate us was this cultural mm question that everybody was asking, you know, while the towers were still smoking, I had this feeling that how we answered that question globally or culturally was of monumental importance. I, that it was the first time that I think on my very left-leaning college campus, I was a sophomore in college when 9-11 hit, that I made, you know, utterances of just suggesting or asking the question, does this have anything to do with ideology or Islam or do, where does religion play into any of this? Hmm. Uh, it was very clear to me on my college campus that that was that was that was not a question that was going to be greeted with a lot of uh, goodwill, mm. and there wasn't any space to ask that question or have that question answered, unfortunately, or even explore that question. Um, but I, but I, I I knew there was something there to it, so maybe I was an early adopter of sort of the new atheist, you know, books that were coming out. So I discovered Sam's work and Christopher Hitchens and Dan Dennett and Dawkins and all of them, and that sort of new atheist post nine eleven wave um, and was rather um, excited that other people were asking these same kind of questions. So I've been following this for quite some time, but 
I think shared a lot of the frustration that Sam and expresses in the film. We sort of do a little crash course of his career as well yes. from, you know, <laughs> the nine 11 moment to really the moment that for me, that this book came out and this kind of language was introduced to me, uh, you know, the, the public clashes or even private clashes in my own life on this topic were just terrible. Hmm. And, you know, I would feel like I was misunderstood. Sam certainly felt like he was misunderstood and misrepresented. He was getting called a bigot, an Islamophobe, racist, all these things. And you, you internally, you feel like you're not those things and you don't think you're one of those things. Maybe you start to wonder, am I? Like, what's going on here? But, you know, you start, you don't know what you don't know, but you, you, you certainly feel like you're running into a brick wall where there's no possible way to get through because once those labels get thrown up, we know how toxic they can be and how... Yeah. You know, that Still ends yeah. conversation. Um, so Sam, out of that frustration, and and me, out of the same frustration, was just continuing to follow it. I remember the first time it, we show it in the film, the, the debate where Sam and Majid made that first clash. It's, a, it's an Intelligence Squared debate. It's a great debate. It's still online. It's worth a watch. Um, I remember watching that and dismissing Majid as just, you know, oh, here's another one of these apologists who doesn't want to engage with hmm. the conversation here and just sort of walking away from it and i remember realizing what a mistake i made and maybe sam as well when he reapproached it i realized oh they're working together maybe i missed something really important there and maybe sam did um and i think it turns out that that was true whether or not we agree or you agree with what majid's doing there the language that gets introduced to the viewer and to sam and vice versa because majid certainly learns a lot as well mm -hmm. uh, is just crucial to have that toolbox to then to your question, like, have I changed my mind about my initial questions on my college campus in 9-11? I'm not sure, but I definitely know I have better linguistic tools to, to even yeah. have the conversation and parse and even whoever I'm talking to that I can say what I, what I, what I mean, what's in the thoughts in our okay. heads yeah. in there and then how to get them from here out into the world is yeah. it's a negotiation with language and with symbols that is, yeah very complex and nuanced so the better toolbox that you have from here to here uh that's what i what i hope has been done in the film there is this visual metaphor of these inner uh like a the concentric a, circle yeah the concentric circle i was looking for the russian doll name but <laughs> oh, at the, oh, there's do one you have one <laughs> <laughs> but in the center of it is this small group of jihadists who are uh, who want to use radical means or violent means or force to impose an Islamist state. Mm. And then around them is a larger circle of Islamicists or Islamists mm -hmm. who want the state, who want a uh, institutionalized Islam uh, mm -hmm. ruling the world. And then around them is the uh what Muslims. Yeah. the conservative muslims who are just practice islam but don't necessarily want a government imposing sure. that and then around them are the reformists or maybe the liberal muslims yeah i think either word would, would work there yeah yeah but my question is is that is that not kind of a, a tricky kind of uh visual metaphor where it seems like the radicalism is the seed of everything else or is at least being surrounded and it goes to that the image of the uh muslims circling the cop right yeah so is yeah. that what is being worshipped or is is that not kind of a tricky metaphor yeah, and it might not be the best one. So again, like so that one comes directly from the conversation with Sam 
and Majid trying to make sense of these definitional words. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, that's interesting. I think it's best understood as just a graph of data. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the, <laughs> the unfortunate that the jihadist um, target or, or, you know, bubble in that graph is in the center, that doesn't necessarily mean, and maybe this is debatable, the fact that that's in the center does is mean it's central. what you're asking about. Right. It, does that mean it's central? Does that mean it's more plausible or more literal or more true to, like, the entire form? Um, I, I think that would be, it, there's a conversation there, for sure, which we get into in the second half, where okay. I think Sam would worry about, he worries out loud about these notions of plausible readings and literal readings of yeah. text. But Majid certainly disagrees, or at least he would argue that it's much, much more flexible than maybe Sam is worried about. Mm. Or and, and of course, again, Sam is rooting for Majid to be right here, and we're we're all. I mean, I'm rooting for him as well, whether I'm convinced by it or not. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so to your, it's it's a good question to your point of like that the centralness of the jihad, uh, the jihadism circle. I I think it, you know we tried to do this breakout animation as it well. It's beautiful. The, the whole film is utterly gorgeous. I, I have to tell you that. And, and maybe I should preface this as a backup, even to start. Um, we went through like thirty different iterations of how to start this film. Uh, just the opening, beginning, and in the end, when people watch it, they'll see literally just black screen, white uh, credits coming on, and the phone call phone begins, call, yeah. and it's Majid literally saying. Uh, this line of, you know, we're about to walk this tightrope. Um, yes. I, I won't get the line perfectly right. We're about to walk this tightrope, trying to bring a lot of people along with us who in many cases, in many instances, are hesitant to change and to, to come with us on that walk. Yeah. Um, and we have to be as responsible as possible having this conversation. It's something like that. I, I, I want that to act as a sort of promise also as a filmmaker to be like, I'm going to try, because I'm using techniques <laughs> like visual techniques like that, I'm going to try my best to walk this tightrope. I know I'm going to slip. It's not my intention. I'm not trying to be provocative here. I'm trying to take it seriously and do my best on this walk. Um, but but, I'm, but I might slip and I might fall. Mm. This, this particular uh, note, actually, of that graph and the, and the possibility that that that's an interpretation of it was something we considered and, and we had a note somewhere along the way, a really good note about that. And that led to like trying these other kind of animations to break it off and do this kind of thing. In the end, it is what it is. I don't know if there's a perfect way yeah. uh, to, to like visually represent these things. But, but I, I guess the, the other yeah. question is, do you think that jihadism is <laughs> central yeah. to Islam? Yeah, so that's that's like the really big question and more to the concern that Sam has. Um, the word central there, and, and I think he uses that word actually directly in the phone call. He he argues, and again, I'll probably get this a little bit wrong later in the film, where he uses this metaphor of, of a ball um, going towards sort of a gravity well, which which we filmed. Yeah, yeah. Worries that there's this, this literal interpretation that will always be there to be to be discovered and it almost has this gravity towards it as you, hmm. you know you're reading a text and you can kind of do what you want with the meaning to a certain sort of range but but there is sort of this gravity towards one hmm. particular or at least a, a more narrow particular interpretation of it um i i share the same worry um I, i'm hesitant again language is so Hmm. tricky here i'm hesitant to use the word jihadism as central to islam or something like that but it is hard to ignore Hmm. the the language of the holy books um that 
that you, you know that that point in a particular direction or make a lot of um, noises that aren't always particularly violent. There's plenty of that in there, and this isn't unique, of course, to the Quran. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no to the central, and it's it's a bit it's a bit of a hope that it's also not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say the jihadists are engaged in a more pure version of Islam um, to that degree. Again, this is all semantics, and I and I know people yeah. will disagree with me on that. There, we have and 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 whether okay, maybe I'm playing a major role here. Whether or not what you said is philosophically true, I don't know the political way to express what I'm trying to say here, and I okay. really important to be truthful and helpful in this notion if it's possible i think there's more of a range there to be gosh an authentic muslim or follow your faith in some central way that faith um in a way that doesn't lead you to be a jihadist i i I wouldn't i wouldn't um go so far as that i think that i think they are more flimsy but the the worry that sam expresses is something that, that needs constant and i think in all these religions we need to be constantly vigilant to to like fight against that maybe natural gravity towards some of yeah. these like, yeah just ignore that passage or like here's a better interpretation mm. of it yeah uh, man it's a balancing act all the time <laughs> yeah well to 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 bring the heat off of Islam and maybe to try to put a little heat on atheism um, okay and I'm kind of making this up as I go along um, yeah I don't know if you're necessarily representative of the uh, atheist community but Sam certainly is okay and. Uh, do you think that Sam has a holy book? Like, is there a text that Sam bases his things on, or does he just make it up on the fly? Or is it like this free-floating argumentation? Like, I think the answer is no. So I've been hesitant in all of the interviews that I'm doing for the film to speak on Sam's behalf, but I'll yeah. do my best to just, I just always want to caveat that, that I might be getting him wrong. I'll try my best, and then I can give you my sort of opinion. Um, I think the answer is certainly no, especially with the word book there. But where I would go with it would be and and for my own personal sort of um, making up as I go along, it, if there's an equivalent to the holy book there, it's just the universe itself. It, to say to, for mm. people who say atheism is a religion, I think it's just an awful analogy that's just castrating the word religion to a point where it's actually meaningless. Okay. Uh, I, I tend to use the words, and I know Sam actually recently talked about this, so I, I feel a little better representing him here. The word science and 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 uh, or, or reason is the word he wishes he substitute substituted for something like the moral landscape and religion as perfectly an- antithetical. I remember the first time that I learned the phrase. I think it was actually from Michael Shermer that science is a method. Yeah. I, I remember reading this when I was young. It's not a set of answers or you know a chemistry book on your shelf in your science class or whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's a method for answering questions in the universe, yep. and it's a rather rigorous one, which which. Only you can only der- you can only look at the universe itself to get an- answers from the universe itself. That might feel limiting, and this is exactly why in Sam's book he he could only find the word spiritual in waking up in the subtitle of it because he couldn't find any word to get out of what he was talking about when you're mm. when you're beholden to the universe itself as your quote unquote holy your book. book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and- so so <laughs> maybe the answer is yes in this really vague sense. Yeah. Gosh, well, we, uh, most of the pages are blank. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, or they're I'm, there, but we haven't. Uh, our our hermeneutics have not like reached them yet, or our way of interpreting the world hasn't developed enough for us to see most of it. Yeah, um, that's a good. Yeah. But I, I wonder if like there's Storm, not 
add one addendum to that as well because yeah, it's like yeah. I think it's actually it's a really good question. There's an interesting point there. Um, Maybe this goes a little too far off the rails into sort of the Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, like, stature, <laughs> but, but I feel like it's a bit of what, what you're asking, because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing his fans in my head <laughs> when I'm trying to answer this. I'm actually, this is, uh, I'm, I'm friends with a filmmaker who just did a documentary on Jordan as well. Her name's Patricia, and it's, and it's a good film. It's, um, it's out in, in Canada. I think they're doing a festival cut as well. Oh, cool. Um, but we've been in conversation, which is which has been interesting. I, I want to just like make this 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 little move here to try to address some some of this. If because I, maybe I define religion poorly there. If religion is the habit of anthropomorphizing the like existential anxieties in all of us, because we're in this mysterious universe that we've no idea how we got here, that inherently has to lead to some questions or some anxieties or whatever if you anthropomorphize those things and then tell stories about those characters or whatever you anthropomorphize and have them bounce against each other and clash and tell these things if that habit of doing that to just impart maybe wisdom or thoughts you're having to someone else or your community at large if you call that religion that habit of doing that um, cool. I think that's actually not going away anytime soon and really shouldn't go away anytime soon. But what's important, and I think where the, the balancing act here, for, especially for atheism, is the commitment that those stories and the anxieties, let me back that up, the commitment that the anxieties of the existential anxieties that, that we all must carry with us in some way spring from the universe itself and are updatable based on the knowledge that we acquire about the universe. The really easy example is Galileo saying, hey, I think the sun's in the middle, not the earth. That changes things about what we feel and must change things about our fears. It must change things about the answers that answer, answer those fears. Yeah. Um, and so my only gripe there is, is, the, is, is the, we can't be rigid about those stories and those anthropomorphized yeah. anxieties that, that are stuck in the world. They, they must be updatable and at some point they, they might just fall apart. Um, but I think if that's the habit of religion, if that's what if that's a different use that people want to use for it, hmm. um, is Sam <laughs> is atheism a religion or have a holy book? Maybe you could do a different kind of dance in that way. Yeah. But that's how I would define it. The atheism is the commitment that the universe itself is going to be our our the straight line to the stories that we tell always must start with the universe. And and science is a method of reading and interpreting nature then. Which is uh, inherently always updatable. It's it's always updatable. Well, yeah. to the extent that the universe is infinite, until we, in, by the laws of physics, then then yeah, maybe there. If there is some grand story in the end yeah. in the end game, uh, we're not we're nowhere close. Seriously. Well, I just I asked that question, and I use I was using the. I was kind of skirting around is atheism its own religion, or does it have its own holy book? Because I wanted to ask, is there a kind of like a gravity well mm. that mm. pulls people who. Uh, are atheists or who are scientists or who believe in scientism I don't, I don't say that I don't know if that's a real word, that's a critique um, is there like a something that's always pulls them towards a certain sort of fundamentalism if, mm. if fundamentalism precedes and I think um, Majid gets into this, like extremism caused uh, Al-Qaeda, yeah. Al-Qaeda didn't cause extremism, I wonder if fundamentalism is always it's an emergent property of human behavior and if that's not going to show itself whether it's inside or outside uh religion whether it's going to be atheism will be will give rise to certain behaviors where people will go around and and uh 
I, I guess, um, be bigoted or, or uh, disparage or even um, oppress people who are not atheists, either in small ways or large ways, because the fundamentalism doesn't come from religion. Religion just uh, is one thing where fundamentalism can express itself. Right. And can it just express itself in other places? Um, like, like what you were saying, one, one more point, what you were saying about, like on liberal co- college campuses where there's a fundamentalism there where mm. you can't, you can't ask certain questions. You can't mitigate from certain narratives. Right. Um, and that was nominally a place, maybe it was just a very small window of time when the college was not a church, you know, uh, right. or was not fundamental, but it seems like that fundamentalism crops up and that's something you always have to be kind of pushing against and finding tools to unravel in your, in your opponent yeah. or those who wouldn't have you speak. Wow. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. I want to borrow a few things from people that I, I'm lucky enough to be working with lately. Sam, uh, one of his old greatest hits lines is, uh, fundamentalism is only a problem insofar as the fundamentals are a problem and, and, so, and insofar as you actually believe them. Um, hmm. Which doesn't quite answer your question because you're answering a more sort of philosophical question or asking one about just fundamentalism generally. But that's a line to talk about if what I expressed in the previous answer is a is a fundamentalist commitment towards telling stories that spring from the universe, then sure, I'm a fundamentalist. Mm. Uh, I think paying close attention to that method and that <laughs> type of fundamentalism uh, would, you know, there's no way to blow up a, 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 a you know, a, a elementary school based on that or so i would argue or maybe you could get down mm. into it now mm. um you know he always uses the the example of jainism maybe it's tired of getting uh, being used as the example at this point but um if you're a fundamentalist jainist you're a very different character in the world than yes. a fundamentalist jew or a fundamentalist christian or, or muslim so so th- th- that's just sort of one caveat to put out of maybe taking some of the stink off the word fundamentalism generally yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It should should just be neutral, but it's a great question about like, are we drawn to that just generally? Um, a rigidity of mind and a wanting to impose a certain sort of belief structure on other people. On other people is really fascinating, actually. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're more about the fundamentalism, not just as like a personal uh, sort of guiding Com- commitment to principles. Like, I yeah. Okay. That's one definition. Position. Yeah. Okay. But you're you're talking about sort of like imposing upon others. Um, gosh, I think the the answer is probably yes. That you know if if you believe you figured something out, uh, just as a general sort of compassion, almost, you know, if you see someone across the street who hasn't figured it out, you maybe you feel this impetus or this obligation to, mm. <laughs> to show them the way. I've, you know, certainly, hmm. um, there's there's people there's some people who make like the interesting point of you know if a Christian really really believes in the afterlife. And they think I'm going to hell. Like, you know, how dare them not try to convert me if they really believe that? Like, they're, you know, why wouldn't they just always be trying to do that? And it's, yeah. you know, it's a question based on that level of belief. Um, there was another part of your question I wanted to, to address. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was about this, um, uh, like, gravity towards uh, fundamentalism. I, I, I've lost it at this well, point. Well, you, you brought up something about how a Jainist will be, a, a fundamental Jainist will be a inherently different person than a fundamentalist Christian, a fundamentalist, uh, well, I don't even know if fundamentalist Christian makes sense anymore because at least my understanding of Christianity growing up as a pastor's kid is that mm-hmm. there are so many different sects of Christianity or versions of it that they all kind of produce a certain sort of stereotype, which is just kind of a fuzzy, like, nexus of, of qualities and stuff. So I wonder if, if, if 
in this atheism movement, if there if there's an emergent character or it is a fundamentalist atheist will exhibit certain qualities? I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think the attraction towards utopias is maybe just universal and human and an atheist utopia, um, even expressed politically, uh, I'll just try to answer it as an observer again. My, my habit as a documentary filmmaker is to observe and to try to tell stories and tell art about it. Yeah. And there certainly seems to be in this, this new recent energy and interest in these kind of conversations, a, uh, you could call it fundamentalist, um, uh, and, you know, attraction towards absolutist free speech. Okay. Um, and maybe libertarianism generally. Hmm. Is that, I think that probably is an over, just a human psychological habit of this desire for purity and purity politics and hmm. which, which maybe isn't a bad thing striving for these utopias, but the, the, forgetting that we're human along the way is usually <laughs> gets us into a lot of trouble. Um, huh. Thinking that we're just always engaged in a, in a war of ideas and not oh. barely evolved monkeys carrying those ideas around often huh. gets us into a, into a lot of just political um, trouble and can set up, you know, utopias <laughs> haven't worked so far. And I think that's probably the biggest reason that we're, we're humans and we carry a lot of yeah that, Yeah. Do you think that being a documentarian, which is basically an artist, um, and you're, you have a, a certain amount of material, your material seems to be, because it's documentary, a documentary, it's something that's real, you know, mm. and you go and you film the real, and then you use art to convey that um, to the audience. Do you think that your practice of being an artist, um, widely construed, uh, gives you a, a certain sort of tolerance to the human condition or allows you to uh, see these ideas, these big ideas like atheism and science and, and religion uh, in a more practical way or maybe even a more humble way? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I've been lucky enough, you know, I really started this documentary film film life um, when I was young. Uh, I, I, you know, I took, I've always been in film. I worked commercial jobs in New York and all that kind of stuff, but took the full plunge as a, as a, you know, director maybe a decade and a half ago. But I, but I, I really got the itch when I was younger and did some international traveling to places that were rather surprising. And this was in West Africa when I was a teenager. Um, it just, you know, started an itch that I needed to scratch with a lot of these kind of questions. Hmm. And yeah, I've been lucky enough to, to be in a lot of places around the world because of this profession and be in a lot of different cultures and families and, and different societies. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope it gives me a bit more of that empathy that things are really complicated. <laughs> it, <laughs> things can seem really simple when you're in it. And I'm, I, I love philosophy. I've loved all of this conversation so far because it gets into the, my philosophical mindset. But the philosophical mindset is not in the real world. It's a crucially important mindset to like discover what's true and think about free will and uh, incredibly impactful. Um, I'm, I'm not stopping and I'm diving deeper into that world. But the real world is a complicated, messy place with humans bumping into each other. And it, it yeah, it, it, um, <laughs> it, 
it puts a lot of pressure onto those pure cases and those utopias where it's yeah. just it's just really complicated. So I hope it does give me. I, I think you, you use the word empathy there in the question, or, or maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Yeah. Um, about people in the world and their struggle that they're going through to get from point A to point B. Hmm. Uh, I, I I hope it does. It's really it's just a really really complicated world, and there's a lot of people out yeah. there. And, Everybody's having their own experience, um, and it also makes you. It can make you ho- more hopeful. A lot of this travel, and then can also actually depress you and, and pull you back in a lot of ways. Of like, oh yeah, like again, this in my last answer, you, you remember a lot of times that we're just an animal yeah, yeah. and we're just trying to figure this out. And there's a lot of just um, there's a lot of very basic evolutionary <laughs> out there whether it draws itself along racial lines or tribal lines or political lines or, yeah. or religious lines clearly um, there, we oftentimes I think I think my work helps me step step away from sort of making these grandiose philosophical Claims. like this solution for the world okay yeah to sort of like how do we actually do this practically and then my mediation of that as a filmmaker is that exa- hopefully the art of here's some things that I think are true or interesting mm. that I found or were interesting for me. And, you know, I want, <laughs> I want other people to, to also see some of that. So the medium of film and sound and music and all the tools at my disposal and graphics and animation, how do I, how do I deliver that sort of down the chain mm. or just across, across the, the, the path? Um, that's, that's the, the challenge. I don't know if that answered any of your questions. <laughs> this is great. Like everybody travel as much as they possibly can. Yeah, exactly. If you want to question whether you're wrong, if if you're too sure about any idea that you have, like plan plan a couple trips to places that uh, you know are are sort of off the beaten path. If you have the money to do it and think seriously about it, guarantee you it just complicates the picture a little bit more for you, which is always good for us, I think. You've been working with Sam and Majid for a while now, so you've been going to these different talks and these different debates. That's loosely or either. It's got a soft and a hard definition of the IDW, which I want to kind of back away from and say, like, this culture of debate, this culture of discussion, where people go in droves to watch two or three people on stage talking, which mm. kind of just seems a little weird. What's your thought on that? Is that something that's novel to you? Do you, do you want to, like, you were at least instrumental last week in putting something like that on. Do you, where do you see that going? And where do you see like some of the pitfalls that that needs to navigate and what what's the content of people's interest in this that's perspective yeah that's fantastic well we'll see it's like such a it's an interesting moment to be in it and it's live and it's changing and all that um so you know i'll say for my own if i have a little corner of that stage um i hope to make more films that can try to explore Mm. things in a different way and bring people together in different ways or explore ideas in different mediums and hopefully also you know, push it beyond its echo chamber uh, a little bit as well. But the live event stuff is great. I am, um, I'm a big fan of it for sure. I, I think where, okay, where pitfalls are, people people might start getting bored if it's the same thing over and over again. And, and by that, I mean, um, I think there are, there's this in, incredible graph. I think it's an X, what's that comic? XCD, what, I, XCDC I or X, XKCD. It's an incredible graph. And if you could put it on, I would be incredible. But the 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 x-axis is uh, willingness to opine about a subject. Yeah. Did I get this wrong? No, I got it wrong. The x-axis is knowledge of a subject. 
yeah. and the y-axis is uh, willingness to opine about a subject and the yeah. graph you know looks like like this as it goes where where you learn a little bit and then there's this hump and then there's always this decline and then it starts to go back up again and it points to this initial sort of hump when you learn a little bit about a subject and you're willing to talk a whole hell of a lot about it as mount stupid because you actually know very little still <laughs> yeah and then you learn a little more and you're like, oh, wait, I actually have some more learning to do. And then it goes up and it probably has another hump at some point And it's an infinite level. We should always ask ourselves if we're on Mount Stupid. Uh, hmm. So hmm. I think what we have to be careful about in this energy with the IDW is leaving people on Mount Stupid. Uh, it's just always trying to tug everybody further and further to the right. And by that, I mean, there's what I tried to do on, on stage with John and, and um, Stephen in some ways was, was go deeper into some of these subjects is like, let's not yeah. stop sort of like intellectual discourse and conversation one-on-one yeah. because deeper, like I, I think there's maybe a danger of not, of um, hmm. yeah, staying in the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. You, already in this conversation, we went to some deep areas, but we know the pool is incredibly deep, probably yeah. infinitely deep on all of these subjects. And just to keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, you know, it's like, it's like going to, I mean, you, you know, these events are great, but you could go to an event with a speaker that you really like and you're following their work. And it's like going to a concert where you've listened to the album 30 times. It's yeah. like, oh, Sam's doing his free will thing again. Like, I love this song. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. like, oh, Jordan's doing his dragon thing again, whatever it happens to be. <laughs> Um, and then, and then there's a couple of new songs that they play and you're like, Oh, that's cool. I like that one. I think we got to play more new songs and yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing new stuff, but go deeper and deeper, really develop the ideas. All of the, all of these people go deeper. Uh, it's why the Q and A is always the best section of these yeah, things. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because that's where it's sort of like, you don't know where it's going to go. And it's, it's like yeah. jazz and improv and they're not playing on the album anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of these things. I'm a big believer in these things. Obviously, there's a huge market for these things. And yes. there's an appetite for these things. I'm working with some people who helped to um, produce the film. I'm going to be doing a lot more of these kind of uh, film things and bringing people together. Um, I love film as a medium for these kind of conversations as well. And hmm. uh, yeah, I think we, we've just begun. But if there's a pitfall, it's like... It's, just drag people off Mount Stupid as much, and it could be dangerous to remain on Mount Stupid because it's because it's because it's Mount Stupid. Well, yeah, but at the same time, like according to that graph, like the you might there might be like a dip in discussion or a dip in engagement as people realize that they don't really know what they're talking about, and then they start to have to actually do the work to grapple with these ideas or yeah. with these different expertise. I think I think what's nice, but once once you. Okay, even if that happens that you're on the other side where you're like, oh, wait, I actually, mm. I only knew like a little bit here. And there's, there's a promise that there's way more. You remember being on the other side of the initial Mount yeah, Stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, it's, you know there's a climb coming. <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to go deeper to it. And of course, it's incredibly rewarding. And if, if you go deeper on it, um, even, even in this film, saying, and my, maybe my favorite moment in the film is when Sam reassesses that line in The End of Faith where he wrote, uh, we are at war with Islam. And, and he reassesses that line yes. after onboarding a lot of language from Majid. And again, he hasn't changed his, his what he what he meant there. And he says, like, oh, I wrote, like, you know, 20 other sentences right around that that sort of break that down. But he, he says, like, you know, oh, getting this new language to, to say what I mean really there or, like, parse that. It was easy to see how I was being misunderstood there. Um, you know, he wishes he had that on board. I, I think if he wrote that book again, he that 
that chapter and the, that line would be different. Uh, maybe that's an example of, of this graph happening of like when you're on Mount Stupid at some point, you, you just you do the best you can. Yeah. You don't know you're on Mount Stupid until you start going down the hill is the amazing fun of that graph. Uh, but we should always constantly be questioning. I'm doing it right now. I'm probably on Mount Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> know that hopefully tomorrow I'm, I'm smarter than I am today. So yeah. I think we all need it. That should be part of the IDW protocol or ethos or whatever it is, is to just always be dragging ourselves further to the right on that graph yeah. as far as yeah. we possibly go. Yeah. I guess this is the question I was trying to ask when I, when I asked about like your experience as a documentarian or as an artist, like, I could try like the, the role of art and breaking down barriers. Oh, that's like, good. Uh, I asked about you, how's it broken down your own barriers, but like, what is the role of art in giving mm. ideas to people or introducing people to ideas in, in a way that yeah. evades their rigidity? Art is so vague <laughs> that it's hard to answer that one Yeah, specifically. Um, and the medium of documentary can do a lot of work because of its empathy hacks right like it, it the music you play and getting close to someone's life and just seeing somebody on screen you 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 empathize with them it's this natural human thing that we do to sort of put yourself in their shoes and and give them the benefit of the doubt that's something that as a filmmaker is a lot of responsibility to take care of because it's it's the medium again neutering the the worst parts of the word the word it's propaganda, but without sort of the negative stink on it. It's propaganda in the way that I am. I am. There is reality, like you said. I'm going out and filming reality, but I'm crafting it for you, and I'm aware of the the um, emotional hooks that will inevitably reach out from you and your psychology and grab things that I'm putting on the screen and will drag you around in a way that I'm going to do because I'm editing it. Yeah. And or I'm doing the score, or I'm doing this. That's every filmmaker should start by admitting that and taking that responsibility seriously. Of course, if it's a narrative film and you're making like Willy Wonka, that's great. Like you want those hooks and you just get put them on a good ride and give them the roller coaster and you write it perfectly. But when it's true stuff, it's documentary, mm -hmm. we have the same hooks and we're playing the same game. That's it's it's a deep level of responsibility. It's again why you know I started the film with this almost promise that I'm going to just try to do my best here to like drag you along with me on this tightrope and will not fall off too bad. Uh, but I know I'm going to slip. Um, hmm. But to that point, you can. Um, <laughs> well, what's the principle that you organize all of your tools toward that justify your propaganda powers? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's it's got to be some sort of, of objective moral belief of a normative claim that these are good ideas and I hope to convince people of them. Or how about this one? If I'm using those hooks and they're being dragged, in particular with this film, I don't want to drag them to a firm, rigid answer of this is the right answer to the question you were asking. It's dragging them to a conversation that I think they ought to listen to so they could ask their own questions. So maybe I'm off the hook a little bit here to double that analogy uh, with this particular one. Um, but yeah, the guiding principle has to be, um, that it's, that it's some sort of normative claim and better place to be that, but when you're finished with this documentary, you're in a better place. Um, and the only way that I can try to even make that claim on a personal subjective level is that it did it for me, right? I read the book and I'm inspired by it. So maybe it'll work for you. Let me try to guide you through a bit of the same process I went through. Hopefully it, it hits some percentage of people who see it in a way that 
that is beneficial. Um, yeah. So, but the, we, those hooks are those hooks are strong. Those hooks are really strong. I mean, you can make Lenny Riefenstahl's you know triumph of the will with those hooks, or you can make mm. you can make a lot of things, and you can make a lot of people do these things. In the film, actually, I, I totally forgot it to this point. We show clips of a Hizbut Tahir uh, recruitment video that Majid, you know, uh, I'm sure saw and was subjected to when he was being recruited. It's film, film, and music, and and you know characters on the screen that that's just strong psychological stuff that that you ought to be really careful with but you could point it in any direction so it's a lot of trust to a filmmaker especially a documentary filmmaker you're granting a lot of trust to the filmmaker just by sitting through it um so yeah it's again i just try not to take it lightly because um, yeah, yeah. yeah the answer to your question is you can bring in brand new audiences you can you could show people things they've never seen before or felt before um, art is in, is is incredibly powerful, and may, maybe to relate to another one of your questions with this IDW thing, it's a lot of talking in the IDW. I'm doing a lot of talking on this podcast right now. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room in it for artists who are not talking. Um, no one's. I don't even know what it looks like yet. It actually, there's actually at the end of the film, Majid makes this point when he talks about free speech, and he says, "I'm not just talk, meaning talking with our mouths. I'm saying music, and art, and film, or whatever medium that you operate in." I don't know what an IDW, you know, dance troupe looks like, but there's someone could do it. I'm, I don't know what it is, um, or artists who are working in that space. I, I think, I think there's room for that um, yeah. as well, and, and and probably a real like need for that and desire for that. It would, would certainly bring in new audiences. Um, yeah, it that, might even relax it, us off of the stupid hill, uh, without yeah. just Can not I, just shoving us off, but like allowing us to drift. Yeah, yeah. Your graph. You can certainly, you can certainly see things. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll give you a uh, just because I, I like I like the point of the the free speech absolutism and that it's maybe not so simple or maybe not so complicated. I answered this in the Q and A in L A because someone asked about uh, sort of a free speech question, and um, you know we live in this moment that's very complex, as as you pointed to. And it's tempting to just say I'm a free speech absolutist and end it there. And Sam on stage, and I agree with him, said legally I'm a free speech absolutist. Like I don't think laws against these things are a good idea at all. We're, we're witnessing everybody trying to figure out that very slippery slope on Twitter and all these things happening now, and it's mm. quite um, dizzying. But doing the th- simple thought experiment of, of this, and, and again, I think in dilemmas and moral dilemmas, if you have an audience of 100 people, let's say you're an event planner, and there's an event coming, and you've been a, you've an audience in this this room full of a hundred people who are there, and you know, again, this is some hypothetical. Imagine you you know everything about everyone in that audience, and you could you know scan their brains or whatever. And with with a with a high degree of accuracy, you know that a lot of this audience is kind of stupid, and kind of susceptible to whatever crappy idea they're going to hear on on uh, stage. They're not scientific thinkers. They're not critical thinkers. They're very Manipulatable. Let's just say. Let's just say that's what you know about this audience. Let's say you've just, just done all these studies on all these people. And let's say half of the audience is likely to believe, to to a pretty strong degree, what they're going to hear, and then half of that half is likely to be like really fired up about it and want to take action about it, and then half of that half mm. actually will take action about it, and then half of that half actually have have weapons. You're down to literally just like two or three people. I just sort of lost my math and my having. But you're just a couple people in that audience who really, really legitimately are threats to like hurt, go out and hurt people when they hear an idea. And let's say somebody wants to get up on stage and present a conspiracy. Th- well, okay, not a conspiracy. I call it a conspiracy already. Cons- present an idea that um, 
there's a pedophile ring being run out of a pizza parlor outside of Washington, D.C., just for some crazy example. You as an event planner have a moral dilemma right there. I mean, it's not so simple to just say, well, it's his free speech and he says it and people can believe it and go do what they want. Because, because of what I told you and what you know about the audience, that's, that's a terrible position to be in. Um, like any good moral dilemma, the, the idea should be to design a world where nobody's ever in it. Uh, so what do you do to never be in that world or to be in less and less of those situations is an impetus to have less and less of those audiences that are susceptible to that stuff, which should give all of us maybe in this conversation or the atheist mm-hmm. conversation general, generally the the drive and maybe moral imperative to try to educate people as much as possible and, and advance critical thinking or whatever. If the audience is immune to those ideas, sure, let anybody say anything. But if you know they're not, you have an actual dilemma there. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not also so, so so simple as saying, well, then ban the speak the speech because it's 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 a bad moral dilemma either way. Banning the speech, of course, might amplify the speech, or maybe it's impossible to ban the speech. Um, or in this particular case of Islam or something, like it's possible somebody sees my film, even a tiny percentage, and like narrowly watches it or interprets it in some some way that I that I clearly am not intending, and then does harm. It's possible that might happen. I've done the calculus, and Sam and Majid have done it. That we are pretty sure that the risk of not making the film and not having this conversation is far greater than the risk that we're inherently adopting by making the film and putting it out there. Uh, that's, that's, so that balancing act also happens. Is there a risk to shutting down the, the speech? Absolutely. Is there a risk to allowing the speech? Absolutely. We have to do our calculus. But just to say you're a free speech absolutist and just sort of walk away saying, like, that's that, it's, hmm. it's, it's like, just go a little further on that graph and it's actually a little more complicated than that um, yeah. but again the nice part of all of these deep investigations at least especially in that one is to give us this impetus to to educate and and do a lot of really great things yeah. i mean you yeah. think about the world long enough or hard, hard enough you sound a lot like a hippie of like oh yeah we just need we need to help everybody <laughs> in whatever way we can and we can decide what that what that ends up looking like um but that's you know that's um those kind of conversations, uh, just to, to balance some of the initial sort of energy of the IDW, and to your point of can art do that? Absolutely. I mean, if, if you, I don't know if anyone did it, if you make the documentary about the guy who goes and shoots up the pizza parlor or brings his gun to that pizza parlor, uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's a way to make that case of like, oh, you know, like the, this is actually complicated. Maybe you get a different degree of empathy for him or whatever, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you discuss there. I hope it complicates the picture. But not to a point of paralysis, because good ideas are still good ideas. But politically, how you um, how they bounce against the real world, I think that's a lot of the job of the artist is is to, especially mm. the documentarian, is to it's, we're dealing in reality in the real real world is to is to show how ideas bounce against actual real world people or animals, yeah. whatever you happen to be filming with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe that was a better answer than the one of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. It seems like, uh, yeah, the the next step of being a free speech absolutist is the is the responsibility that we're called to. Uh, mm. If I have the yes. right to, to free speech, what's my responsibility? Is not to squash the speech that I dislike, but to provide tools or methods that render that speech harmless. Precisely. Right? Which is yeah. the real work, which it's much easier just to pull a lever and silence people, which you, but you don't know what the consequences are. And it's then, easy to not pull the lever and say everybody says everything. Yeah. Like it, both answers are actually easy. Yeah. The hard work, it was perfectly said, the hard work is the like, oh, like, how do we, how do we encourage 
an immunity against bad ideas yeah. that's that's fun and hard work yeah. is, you know, i mean can can we inoculate humanity of its stupidity i don't know probably but, not yeah. <laughs> but we should try but we should try <laughs> and maybe maybe you said that in a way that's that's off-putting as well it's it's like i mean I, again it's like a political like can you flip that to be like can we reinforce and spread the good ideas uh, yes, humans are stupid, and we will continue to make bad choices. And there will always be a risk in free speech, and it's a and it's a risk we ought to take. Sure, but can mm -hmm. we mitigate that risk? Absolutely, we we need to. Um, this gets to some political structures as well, where if you're gonna, I mean, this is a whole different conversation. But the people who who get a little too fundamentalist, back to go to that question about free speech, absolutism, and libertarianism, there's there's legit questions to ask about the political structure there that might be self defeating. Where are you? Are you, is there, a, is there, a, what's your method for, for preventing audiences from choosing the bad idea? Because in libertarianism, what they choose sort of just, just wins. Um, the free market doesn't always correct for bad ideas. And I think, I think mm. we, we, that's been proven enough. So mm. it goes, it, it just complicates the picture to, to that point. But if that's, if that, what you said, it, you said it better than I did, if this, this impetus or this drive or this commandment, in this, if to use the religious terms again, <laughs> to educate the world or or help the world see the world closer for what it is and have an <laughs> immunity to bad ideas or choose less um, harmful ideas, whatever it possibly is, um, yeah, that's that's the the political st structures yeah. of how to design that world. Yeah, that's a, that's a form of yeah. activism that I'm I'm down with. That's me too. <laughs> and I hope that's what the IDW kind of energy is yeah. pointing towards. And it seems to be. I mean, I'm I'm really loving a lot of what's what's happening with it, and making a lot of friends and connections, and learning a lot of things, and finding places where I'm wrong or where I don't know anything. And it's um, yeah, yeah, it's been really rewarding to be you know in it. <laughs> One more question for you, and this is kind of like an artistic question uh, about your process. Like, how do you know when when your documentary was done? Like, how did you come to a the point of like okay this is this is it or the place where well, you can let go of like the anxiety of like it's not done yeah i mean this one was funny in some ways because it, it was written you know this so the, there's what's called verite documentary which is the um it's an old french word but it sort of means the the classic kind of like camera on your backpack following the story live as it's going and i've done those kind of films before i made a film about a, a baseball team in uganda that uh, became the little the first African team to play in the Little League World Series. So classic kind of like backpacking through Africa, following a story, no idea where it's going to finish. Those ones are harder to know, like, am I done now? Because you could just keep filming forever. I could still be yeah, filming. Okay. It's actually incredible what's happening still there. Um, but um, but this one, uh, certainly non-verite, we, 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 it was a story that happened in the past. And so it had a bit of a structure that we okay. knew, at least intellectually, where, their, where the book ended and where their phone call ended you know we use their initial phone call as sort of a skeleton and then we flesh it out but to your point artistically you know you could tinker with the graphics forever you could shoot more b-roll forever you could mm -hmm. you could re-edit it a billion times until like you know put this thing and we did of course you know put this argument here take out yeah. that one word and with a conversation like this it was you know we would we would argue and deliberate over over one sentence of like if we take this out does this now sound awful or not make sense these are tricky things um mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with these very delicate arguments yeah uh, but then yeah trying to, to shoot analogies and, and the lobster thing that we did um 
so yeah, this one this one was easier to know when the when the production the, when the well what's called the principal photography was done. Yeah. But the post production process was lengthy and could go on forever. Um, yeah. So that that was the challenge with this one. But they're all they're all different. They all have their own yeah. own flavor. Yeah. Are you guys gonna? Is it going on tour? It's it's on VOD now, video on demand. It's all over on VOD. So yeah, like so Amazon. The, is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon, iTunes, iTunes. Google Play, Vudu, Hulu. Um, okay. Oh wow! Cable. It's like all the VOD stuff. Hopefully later this year it'll be on the streaming stuff, the Netflixes of the world. But there's yeah. there's a window where it's going to be all the you know rent and purchase. Um, that's all through our, our distributor, uh, The Orchard, put it out, which is great. We also have another distributor called Torch Films, which owns educational rights, uh, I think, oh. in North America and a few other properties. So any university that wants to play it, as far as your question with like a tour and all that, I hope we're going to be doing a lot of screenings. We're already getting a ton of requests. Oh, excellent. And a panel and this and that at universities or community centers. Uh, that, will, I think, will be a pretty easy process through Torch Films. We'll have all that on our website and all that. Um, and then, and then there's also a, a fan force distribution, which is more of the um, uh, community. Like if you want to get a screening together, you advertise it and fill the theater, and it happens. Um, so yeah, hopefully there's a lot of live stuff that happens with it. Obviously, most it's a great time for documentary online. So I hope yeah. people watch it and and dig into it there. But uh, having the live discussions about it is really really fantastic. I think there's a ton of ways to do it, and we also have a ton of bonus footage that we're going to be releasing. Oh, cool. Uh, over the you know with these extended interviews with Douglas Murray and I under CLE and um, Sam of course himself not as much with Majid one thing with Majid was he was like dreadfully ill when we filmed that so oh, most no. of this footage would just be him sneezing and drinking tea and he wouldn't <laughs> be a fan of us releasing that uh, but we have a lot of great bonus footage Sam talking about other subjects consciousness and philosophical zombies and all sorts of fun non uh, religion stuff um, yeah so. Over 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 the course of the next weeks and months, we we're, the Kickstarter get Kickstarter backers okay. at a certain level get the first crack at all that stuff. So we're getting all that out soon to them, uh, but those will eventually be public and hopefully people have fun with that stuff. Is there uh, a but, YouTube channel for me to link to, or is where, where, where's the central place where this is going to be kept? Yeah, there is one. Um, Islam and the Future of Tolerance dot com okay. is just like okay. the, you know we've got an official Twitter and Facebook and hopefully. Yeah. It's, all integrated in a way that this stuff is findable and shareable. Oh, it's, you know, the internet, the internet finds you at this point if you're looking for it. So yeah, no, okay, great. It's not hard for people to find that, but that that will all be over the you know don't get antsy for it over the next weeks, a few weeks we'll be we'll be putting all that stuff out. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you know excited about what it might be able to do. I've said my piece and got it out of my system and yeah, right <laughs> on. Thanks for own in a in a certain certain way. Thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, showing up. I hope that this turns on my little corner of the world to your work and stuff. It was, yeah. Are you just going to work with this film for a while, or are you already starting on the next project? I've always got new stuff. It's got a lot yeah. of new stuff. I don't know if there's anything I can mention. I'll hint this one. This is the first place I've ever mentioned it because this seems like an appropriate place. Uh, I've got a I've got a podcast. So does everyone, right? I've got a podcast that I'm launching with Coleman Hughes. Um, oh, right on. It won't be out for like a year because we're filming or we're uh, recording like the entire thing before we release anything. But it's called Dilemma, and it's all about moral dilemmas, and it's going to be a lot of fun for a, a philosophically minded audience. But I'm but I'm taking the same stance where I'm trying to convince a lot of people who don't pay attention to this stuff that they should. So we're going to pull in a lot of other audiences to it. But it. Uh, yeah, that one should be fun. There's a few other film things that I'm working on, but I don't want to. I don't want to spill the beans. Yeah, up. Th that sounds. Uh, I, 
I'm, I'm sure that's been done before where somebody does the whole podcast and then releases it a yeah. year later. I, but that sounds like a really great method of like fomenting ideas and putting it all together. And then, yeah, well, we just want it. Well, you'll, you'll see how it goes. Ooh, we're we'll going to all the episodes, uh, just separately. And then, uh, I, I just don't want people to like be asking for it. For, like, a year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks yeah. a lot, Jay. Thanks for your time. Thanks. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs>